Let's give Gareth a round of applause, shall we? As he comes on up. And he's going to talk to us about uh, faith and failure and Samson. So we just pray, God, that you would just fill Gareth right now with your spirit. I pray, Father God, that what he says, we will listen to and we will know the heart of God in what he speaks about today. Just bless him, Father, as he gives out. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Becca. And good morning to everybody. Um, I'm sure most of you guys know who I am. I'm Gareth. I've been a member of this church for 11 years now. And, um, well, it's the second time I'm speaking now, so I must say I'm quite nervous. Um, But, Steph, thanks a lot for uh, stealing seven and a half minutes of my talk because now I've got to... I can't tell the story of Delilah now, but but it was really great having it visually up there because... um, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. So, we're going to continue with our series, A Pocket Full of Faith, um, as I'm doing Samson. And you'll find Samson's story in Judges 13 to 16. And I strongly, you know, encourage you to actually read this, um, these three chapters, because there is so much in there. There is a, a wealth of of things in there. There's so much to be unpacked. So do please go and read it yourselves. Obviously, I won't be reading it all today because it'll take up all the time. So I'm going to have a little recap. Um, I'm not going to add in any stuff that Steph's done because we don't want to go over that again. But um, Faith and Failure is the title. I would suggest that maybe we could rename the heading of this talk and we could actually call it the average Christian life. Um, So let's have a quick recap. Right, so his mother was barren. She was visited by an angel. The angel said, you've got to bring up this kid as a Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite was a person, a Jewish person, that set themselves apart from the world usually for a certain amount of time. They did this to kind of honor God for, um, for any kind of blessing they had. And it would normally be, there wasn't a set amount of time, but they could do it for as long as they wanted. So generally, they wouldn't be drinking any alcohol. Uh, they'd actually have nothing from the vine. They, um, they, um, they wouldn't be able to touch anything unclean or eat anything unclean. And um, they never cut their hair. So... Samson grows up and he spots a beautiful Philistine woman and he says, Dad, please get her for me. On the way there, as we heard from Steph, he kills a lion. Um, He does all his proposal, comes back and he finds a beehive inside the mouth of this lion that he killed by his bare hands. When he actually gets to to go to the marriage ceremony with this woman, he, he sets up this riddle for the guests and uh, those ceremonies used to last seven days. And he says to the guests, um, this was the riddle. It says, um, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. Now, these guys, they couldn't figure this out. Obviously, he was, he was referring to the lion. Um, they actually threatened to kill his future wife-to-be. And she coaxed the answer out of him. Once... Um, 
um, well, in any case, the wager was uh, 30 sets of clothing and 30 pieces of linen, uh, which was worth quite a lot. So they get the answer out of the wife. He goes, Samson being Samson with his superhuman strength, he goes out and he kills 30 Philistines and he robs them of their clothes and he goes and gives it, says, well, here you go, you won, well done. He's absolutely upset, he leaves. He leaves the wedding ceremony before it ended. And uh, he, go, he goes back home, calms down a little bit, comes back, and he finds that this wife-to-be has been given to another man. Obviously, he's, he's, he's incensed. What he does then is he, um, he, managed to catch, he manages to catch 300 foxes or jackals. Now, he ties them all up together. He puts flames on their tails, I believe, and he, and he chases them and he lets them run through all the fields and all the grain. Is that better if I hold it closer? Um, so, he, 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 so they burn all the crops. The Philistines not happy. They go, and, they go and kill his future wife and the father-in-law. They burn them. So he says, right, more revenge. Kills a lot more Philistines. Um, um, he gets captured in the end. Then we know the story. He gets handed over back to the Philistines. He kills a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. Um, later... We see another one of, one of his, his failings. He's, he's, he's at a prostitute's house where ambush is set up for him. Um, he evades that. But uh, the incredible thing is what he does is he goes to the town to this, and, he, and he tears up the doors and the pillars and he carries them up a hill and they think that this hill was about 40 miles away. So his strength was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, we, you know, proper Superman stuff. Um, then we don't need to go anymore because then we get the story of Delilah. He meets Delilah. And Steph covered that wonderfully. So, so you know what happens there. Now, I, I actually do, I, I really do like the story. I like the story because here's a guy who was given everything he was blessed even before he was born. He was given the supernatural strength. Um, but he had his weaknesses. And his weakness, one of his main weaknesses, was woman in particular. He couldn't resist a good-looking woman. He, he, he had, his flesh was weak when it came to, to, to lust. Um, and he made wrong choices, lots of them. But the thing is, he's still mentioned in, um, in Hebrews 11, in the Hall of Faith. And, you know, you think to yourself, this guy has made so many mistakes, but yet he's still remembered over there. You know, I'm sure that we can all relate to his weaknesses. Um, and everybody has got their things that trip them up. Some of them are external things, but a lot of the stuff that trips us up are internal things. they hidden things. You know, we all make wrong choices sometimes. And we, sometimes we choose by our own will to go against what we know is right in God's eyes. Um, Samson's story 
is not one of failure. Samson's story, I believe, is a story about God's empowerment and provision. And I absolutely believe that this story is about God's faithfulness to us rather than our faithfulness to him. Um, you know, at this time of year, I get all my... Um, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a head gardener of a, of, a, of a property, and I get all... Actually, I'm not a head gardener. I'm a gardener now. They fired all the staff. Um, so <laughs> I'm the sole gardener who gets the newspaper sometimes and takes out the bins. Um, but at this time of year, I get all my seed orders in, and it's a great, exciting time of year for me. Um, it always heralds in uh, a sense of expectation and, um, and, and, and of positivity for the next year. What crops am I going to grow? When I get these seeds, a lot of the seeds packets have lovely uh, pictures of what these seeds will be once they grow and germinate. And you know, when, when I sow these seeds into the ground, I have absolute faith that that seed that I've put in the ground is going to grow to the potential that it's going to grow to be the picture that I see on the packet. And I think kind of that's how God sees us. He sees our potential. He sees our package. He knows our package. He made our package. He sees our potential. Even while we're failing, even while we're messing up and tripping up, God is faithful to us because he sees what we can be, what we meant to be. Um, you know, it's not to say that, you know, I don't believe that there are no consequences to wrong choices. There are definite consequences. Um, you know, Becca mentioned before Rodney's talk uh, last Sunday about the Israelites, how they wandered around the desert for 40 years when in fact they could have reached the promised land in a much quicker time. And that was all about them making wrong choices. So there are definitely repercussions. You know, and I think to myself, why waste, why waste my time on this planet with regret? And why waste my time on this planet with shame, with the mistakes that I make? Why can't I just choose right and live out the life that God intended me to have on this planet right now? You know, the Jews, they were not looking to die and to go to paradise. They wanted to live heaven on earth. And I think, what's wrong with me? Why do I always want to? Why do I trip up all the time? Why do I always make these mistakes? In my heart, I really, really want to serve God. I want to be there. I want to be full of the Spirit, walking around you know, people falling on the side of the road when my spirit just, when my, when my shadow just goes past them. But I've got this desire that burns inside me to be that person. But yet I find that there's something wrong with me. There's something that's not right, something broken that makes me choose wrong things time and time and time again. And I'm sure Samson must have been very similar. He knew his heritage. He knew what he was born to do. But there was something in him that was just not working right. And it's wrong choices. But I've got a choice. I can concentrate on what's broken and wrong in me, 
or I can look at the cross and say, hang on, my Father in heaven has made a way for me to overcome this brokenness, whatever I have in me, this, this, this flaw, this weakness that causes me to sin time and time and time again. So I choose to concentrate on God's faithfulness in me rather than my unfaithfulness in Him. You know, we all, we all, we all, we all mess up in one or another way. But let's try and look at failure in another light. How do you grow in faith without failure? Failure can be a catalyst for us to increase our faith. Um, you know, the Bible tells us that um, faith without works is dead. And I, I really believe that those works can be choosing to pick yourself up again after you've messed up. Those works can be persevering to do better, persevering to choose right, um, and to make the right decisions the next time. I make terrible choices a lot of the time. I make lots of wrong choices. Just go do a CLB check on me and you'll see. You know, I'm not even joking. And um, I make, I make lots, lots, I've made and I do and I make lots of wrong choices. But the one thing that I never ever do, I never ever give up. I never ever surrender to the fact that I make wrong choices. I always try better next time. And even if I don't get it right next time, I try the next time and then the next time and the next time and the next time. Maybe I will only have seven beers on a school night, you know, rather than the 15 that I normally have. I try really hard. But it's about my, my attitude and it's about my understanding that my Father in heaven is on my side. He's not this person up there with a big stick looking to smash me every time I put my foot wrong or say something wrong or think something a bit skew. He's on my side. He's for me. He has faith in me that I will grow to be the human being that he created and intended me to be. And that's with all of us. You know, The, the biggest thing that the enemy does to us is he robs our vision of who we are that, that, that Jesus says we are, that God says we are. The devil wants you to think that you're a messed up human being who just cannot get over his weaknesses. He wants you to, to crumble and be weak and say, oh, well, that's just me. I'm just a human. No, it's a lie, an absolute lie. We need to see ourselves through God's eyes. We need to know that God is always for you, never against you and always on your side. Obviously, as we said before, we're not silly, we're not children. There will be consequences every once in a while. But God, even in the midst of my sin, even in the midst of my most shameful sin, God doesn't abandon me. He's still there saying, come on, Gareth. You know, look at the, pack, look at the picture on the packet. You can grow into that. Just keep on growing and choosing the right thing. Um, you know, when we become followers of, of Jesus, 
we are a little bit like the Nazarites, that we are called to be different. Maybe not separated in the same way as they were, but different nonetheless. We are here, our job is to reflect Jesus. Our job is to show people who he is. But that's not only when things are smooth and our kids listen to us and our wife cooks the best stuff every time. No, that's in our failings. We need to reflect Jesus even in our failure, even in our brokenness, because that's what makes it real. When we talk about our walk, our Christian walk to people, that's an absolutely great thing to do, and we're all called to do that. But when we talk about our struggles and our failings to those very same people, that makes it real and it makes it accessible because you're not setting some high standard that this poor person who's just finished the Alpha course can't comprehend. You have to be real about who you are and be real about the struggles of living every single day as a Christian person. Um, you know, consistency is a great thing and um, honesty and consistency are two very, very attractive traits to have these days. You know, when things get tough, it's very easy for people to jump ship. When things are hard, the world says, just get out of it. There's a million and one other choices. You don't have to stand for that. You deserve to be happy. Look after number one. No one else is. Obviously, yes. I mean, I'm generalizing now. There are situations that we have to, abusive situations, we have to, we have to walk away from. But I, what I'm saying is that people don't have the resilience anymore and the consistency to stick things out. And the world backs this notion up that you can walk away and you can get something. The grass is always greener. And also honesty. Honesty is some, some old-fashioned notion. You know, The world says, don't reveal too much of yourself. Don't let, too, don't let people in too much. You might not be accepted. You might not fit in. You might expose yourself to be weak. We're not encouraged to be real. We're not encouraged to show who we really are. We're encouraged to put up the facade that everything is okay, everything is cool in our Christian life. It's not true. And if it's not true, then don't do it. Um, thank you. What? <laughs> yeah, now I don't know where I am in this. Thank you very much. You know how long I've been... Angela, tell him. How long was I in the toilet today? <laughs> tell those kids to just... I'm doing God's work here. Any case. Um, and then I was thinking to myself, you know, how, how do... How can I grow this faith? other than just failing all the time. Because I don't want my faith walk 
I don't want my faith to only grow because I mess up so much. It's the same thing as about, you know, shall we sin more so that grace may prevail more in our lives? No, by no means. That's not the point. The point of failure isn't only to grow your faith. That's just, that's just a, a tributary to the main river. I think, and God has been putting this in my heart the last, I don't know, three or four months. You know how we grow our faith? We grow our faith by reading the word of God. We need to get back into reading the Bible, guys. This, this, these daily devotions that you get in this other literature, that's all fine and well. But that's not the word of God. That's a supplement to the main meal. You're not going to get a full belly from word for today. You need to read the Bible, the, the word of God. We need to be a church here. People that have knowledge, knowledge of the word of God. We need to read our Bibles. We need to take time and say, come on, God, you're that important to me. I'm going to give you 15, 20 minutes of my day in the morning or whatever. If it means that I've got to drink one less beer in the night so that I don't wake up with a clear head, then that's worth it. If it means that I go to gym for 15 minutes less and get home, then it's worth it. If it means I can't watch Farscape or Star Trek or whatever it is, you know, it's worth it. We need to prioritize because we are going to get strength and we're going to grow and we're going to live a victorious life only when we start drinking in and being sustained by the word of God. I can't tell you how many Bibles I've got at home that are gathering dust. My goodness, it's a shameful thing. It's an absolute shameful thing that I don't read my Bible. I'm too happy to go on eBay and see what the next GPS that can do geocaching is going to cost, you know, or, or whatever. So I strongly encourage us all, and I'm talking to myself, let's get back into the Word of God as Aaron Community Church. Let's be a church that actually knows our Bible. Good, absolutely. And... Um, You know, there's an issue for me, and it's, it's a confidence issue. And sometimes I think of myself, I think of my, my being as a wall uh, made out of bricks. And you get these drops of water, drip, 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 dripping on the top of this brick wall. And eventually, those drips go down into the mortar. And the mortar starts, get washed, starts getting washed away. And the bricks start becoming loose. I want to say, you know, I don't know what your drips are. For my, my drips are a feeling that, I, that I'm not worthy, a feeling that I'm not good enough, a feeling that I'm less than other human beings. But your, those drips are another attack of the enemy. And it drips, 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 and it corrodes our walls. It corrodes us down. Our bricks become loose. Our faith becomes wavering. Our perspective changes because we're looking at, we're looking at our brokenness. And we're not concentrating on how our Father in heaven perceives us, the, the life that he has intended us to live, the potential that we have. So like Samson, we all have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that enables us, maybe not to carry, 
gates and pillars 40 miles up a hill, but we have the supernatural ability to love people. We have the supernatural ability to forgive those who, who hurt us. We have the supernatural ability to feel compassion for, for people who we know absolutely nothing about their lives. Like Samson, we, we have our failings. We have our brokenness. But remember that he is in Hebrews 11, in that hall of faith. And God is not looking to, to point fingers at your failures. He's looking to reward you, not to punish you. And he's such a good father that you don't even have to do that much to get a huge reward. He's just so happy that you try. So, Samson messed up a lot and he wasted precious time. We waste a lot of time wandering around in our deserts. But the good news is, that God never loses his faith in us. He's always there for us. Even in the midst of our failures, when we call out to him, when we ask him for strength, we ask him to forgive us, we can get up every day and start fresh. The only way I survive on this planet, the only, only way, is that God gives me a chance every single day to live again. Every single day, I'll wake up in the morning and it's the first day of my life. And then I mess, mess that day up. And then the next day is the first day of my life. And I wake up fresh and clean because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ did. I'm washed clean by his blood. Absolutely clean. So when I ask him to forgive me, I'm forgiven completely. And I start my day again and again. And I, I live Groundhog's Day, but in the evangelistic uh, movie. you know. So I... Can, I can survive. It doesn't matter what happens to me, I can survive. And I just want to leave you with that, that God is for you. God is not against you. He's not there to punish you. He's looking to reward you. You might get some consequences to your sins, believe you me. So try not to, to try choose the right stuff. But God is on your side and he's rooting for you. Thank you.